Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and on 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111 on this content. I, I was going to say glorious, but it, it, it was such a stressful, frustrating week. But I'll say content because... I said I just don't want to get swept. If you remember, one of the things we discussed on Friday's show was if someone, as an Astro fan, my question was if someone guaranteed you one win, would you take it or would you gamble that you were going to get two or three wins? Now, the Astros should have, would have, could have won two out of three. They had a two-run lead in the 10th inning. Should have been a three-run lead. Um and it just goes to illustrate, Raymond and I were just talking about it. It just illustrates the, the, the I don't know, the fickleness or, or the baseball part of baseball. Like, when you say, well, that's baseball. Um, you know, I, I think the Astros were sitting there ready to deliver the coup de grace in Saturday's game. They're up two runs in the top of the 10th. They have runners on second and third and one out. And, you know, one of their two or three hottest hitters, which is great to say again, Icky was at the plate. Tucker, for those who don't know who Ichabod Crane is. Um, and he hits, swing. I think he was swung at the first pitch and he hit it really hard, but he didn't get any lift on it. It was a ground ball to the second baseman, throw, threw Myers out at the plate, and the Astros did not build on that two-run lead. And I looked at my daughter riding and I said, I, I think he just cost us the game. And and he had just Icky had just cost us the game. Well, yesterday in a, in what was it the seventh or the eighth when they scored two runs, um, he played a role in that. He hit the same ground ball essentially. It might have been a few feet, you know, but essentially it was the same ground ball. The, the, the infielders were not playing in the exact same spot. It got through, and, and you know, it, it led to a key run, of course. Then, at that point, Wren, who we call McCormick, and that's not my nickname. That's my daughter Riley's nickname for McCormick. Um, Wren strikes out with a runner on third, and then I'm like, not they're not going to win this game with four runs. Fortunately, the Astros got a little bit of a break when they didn't get many breaks at all on Saturday. Uh, and in the ninth, Yuli hits a ground ball that hits the bag, bounces over uh, Grissom's head, and the Astros get that key fifth because I, I, I just, I just, my gut just told me. I mean, Wren probably, in my mind, I thought Wren had blown the game, just like Icky had blown the game in the tenth, the, the week, the game, the game before. The difference was the Astros, it was another inning, and the Astros got a break on a ground ball up the middle. Now, they might have still scored a run because there was a run on second and nobody out, and he was going to get to third whether the ball hit the bag or not. 
But that, but here we would have been again with that same old situation, runner on third and less than two outs. And last year they were very good at getting them home, especially Yuli. This year, Jeremy Pena, even though he's been in a slump for the last, you know, two months, you'd say, month and a half, he's like 90-something percent getting a guy home from third. Yuli was 90-something percent last year. This year he's like 20%. He never gets that runner home. But uh, fortunately, they it, it didn't matter. Didn't have to depend on El Pedro Grande getting the ball because he's been really wishy-washy lately. So, anyway, I, I content the Astros had their first losing trip of the season. It's not the end of the world. They went three and four. The they shoulda, woulda, coulda. They had double. They had two run leads late in three of their four losses, which meant they were that close to to having a 6-1 and one road trip. But the bullpen let them down three times, and instead of a triumphant 6-1 and one road trip, it's a um, kind of kept your head above water, three and four first losing trip of the season road trip, which, again, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. So I uh, just didn't want to get swept, and that could have happened, but it didn't. As where the Astros stand, they're 11 and a half up on the Mariners, which did, again, a dumb thing. You can't score 10 runs in the first game of a three-game series. Doesn't guarantee you're going to lose, but it doesn't help. And, of course, they lost games two and three to the A's after scoring 10 runs in the first game. Not a good plan. Um, and um, they are now, the Astros are 11 and a half up on the Mariners, who essentially are in a tie with the Rays and the Blue Jays for the lead in the wild card. Uh, they all, the, the, they're, they're like percentage points behind, but essentially it's a three-way tie. Um or one percentage point behind it. It's they've played a couple more games than those other two teams is what what it is. And the Astros now begin a stretch. They play the Twins and then the Orioles, and after that, they play nothing, pretty much nothing. But the but that they got a series left with the A's. They got they played a little MVPs and the Rangers. Pretty much they go back to their division, and except for the Mariners and. That hasn't all this year that hasn't treated them as kindly as in other seasons. So they have a three and a half game lead on the Yankees, who got a two run homer from Benintendi yesterday. Um and so, you know, the Astros kind of blew a chance to pull away from the Yankees a little bit. Only three and a half up on them as we speak. But again, they're after this week, they're gonna play a stretch of non contenders. But that hasn't really been the Astros' strength, to be honest, this season. So we'll see how that plays out. Urquidy pitched fabulous again yesterday. Fabulous. Gave up a two-run homer to Olsen, which new Olsen's hit a ton of home runs over the Astros over his career. A ton. Um, and after that, didn't really give up. Didn't give up anything. And pitched seven more innings. So Urquidy's been fabulous. Javier pitched well. Uh, I wouldn't say he pitched great, but he pitched really well. I mean, he did a great job, I mean, in a lot of ways. So that was good to see. And um, Verlander pitches tonight, 
Astros. Is this the first time they faced Correa? It might be. I don't. I don't remember them. I want to say Correa didn't play when they played the Twins earlier this year, so I don't know that they faced him yet. Um, and so we'll see. They open up a three game. Well, they're, actually, they're off today. They open up a three game series tomorrow with 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 the Twins. The um in the in the National League after the weekend, we basically it looks like. Again, nobody, a lot of teams, well, I would say a lot. Teams like the Giants are not certainly not close to being mathematically eliminated yet, but they got a, they got a pretty good, they're going to have to start playing well. I mean, they, they haven't given any signs recently that they can do this, but it is baseball and there are 40-something games left. But it looks like it, it's like three teams within about a game and a half of each other for two spots between the Phillies and the, and the Brewers and or the Cardinals if they cool off, but probably the Phillies, the Brewers, and the uh, and the Padres. So going to be very interesting. Not a lot, not as many teams involved as there are for the wild card in the American League. So we'll see how that plays out. Bregman is wasn't great this weekend, but he was still pretty good. And Icky had a good week, and you know hopefully the Astros can get their act together offensively. But they did enough to avoid this week. All right, the game hotline is 706 706-0111. Let's do this. We don't normally do this. But instead of starting on the Saints and the preseason game and any thoughts about that, and then I've got a little news to tell you about a fantasy draft I did yesterday. So instead of getting into that for just a couple minutes, let's go ahead, take a timeout a few minutes earlier than we normally do. When we come back, we will get to football. Um, Any reactions you have to the Saints preseason game, good or bad? Is there anyone out there? I I really, I'd love to hear from you. And you will not be ridiculed. I will just ask you, is there anyone out there, seriously, that is that after this weekend's game ever wants to see Ian Book in a Saint uniform again. Is there anyone out there? And look, again, I'm not going to, if you call, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to ridicule you. I just want to know, like, is there anyone out there who's like, man, I cannot wait to watch Ian Book play football. Man, I hope the Saints keep him. Is there anyone out there that thinks that? Please call if you do. Because I just want to hear your reason. That's it. I just want to hear. Look, you might end up being right. I don't see how, but you might end up being right. I just want to hear the reason. Anyway, we'll take a time out. Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 
to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers. And Houston Astros want to remind you about the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You could win $500 to chop specialty meats. Man, I've had the boot in there. It is outstanding. A new grill with accessories, a cooler, chairs, $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and UL football games, and so much more. Enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will be able to potentially win the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. <clears throat> All right. Let's um, – let me get tell you – just give you a little taste of our fantasy draft yesterday and then maybe a little bit of a shocker at the end, then we'll get to the Saints. So, Paul is – our friend Paul, the uh, delusional Yankee fan, is is in our fantasy league. And Paul yesterday chose one of the running backs that I wanted. So I told him after that, that's it. Every time, you you know, you're going to have to uh, – when he shortly after he stole my running back, I said, look, that's it. I stole one of the onion rings off of his plate and ate it. And then every time I wasn't able – I had a little angst because of running back, because of the running back, I said, I'm sorry, Paul, but I got to steal another onion ring. So by the end of the day, Paul didn't have many onion rings left on his plate. Now, he could have ate them. He could have ate them himself because, you know, I didn't keep them. But, but, I mean, they just kept sitting there, so I just kept taking them. So by the end of the, by, you know, by the time I drafted my fifth and sixth running back, he only had like one or two onion rings left. The I- man stole my running back. I, I just kept yelling at my dad. Like, we had our fantasy last yesterday with, like, my family. Yeah. And so, it's, you know, me, the only girl, and then, like, all of my dads and everything else. And it's on the phone. My brother with my stepdad with him. My dad who's in Florida. And then me and my fiance are just sitting there on the couch. And all you hear, my, my dad takes one player. And I'm like, Dad, seriously? And then, you know, bleep, 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 bleep. We basically kept cursing each other out as we kept picking players because I was like, I wanted Elijah Mitchell. My dad took Elijah Mitchell. I didn't I do that. I, ju- I just Jonathan stole the man's onion rings. <laughs> oh, no, it, it got serious. We just kept yelling at each other. It was fantastic. Yes, it is. Um, it, it, it was. And then guess. See if you can guess. Oh, gosh. Guess who I drafted for my third quarterback. Everyone was completely in shock. Don't tell me you, you drafted Tom Brady, Mr. Pleasure Cruise. I actually I thought about that from the <laughs> second one, but right right when the thought came to my mind, uh, Guru snatched him up. But my third quarterback is Baker Mayfield. No, Foot. everyone said <laughs> what? You drafted Baker Mayfield, but and everyone acted like. It was like the mo- the, you just it can't be done. You just can't draft Baker Mayfield. But look, I drafted him as my third quarterback, somewhere around twenty between like, which makes him in our minds like somewhere between the twenty fifth and twenty eighth best quarterback in the league. I never said he wasn't a bottom <laughs> third quarterback. I just said, which so it it actually makes sense. I never said he was not a bottom third quarterback. 
I just said you don't pick a bottom third starter quarterback, number level quarterback, number one in the whole late draft. You just don't. You that's like you know second or third rounder, and you hope that he turns out to be good. Yeah. You don't pick that guy number one in the draft overall. <laughs> but yeah, my third, my third string quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Oh Lord, I think I surprised everyone, and everyone looked at me like I was stupid because my first, because I got first pick in the draft, and they were doing snakes, so I got the next two picks. You know, came backwards to start the second round. I took the Saints' defense as my first round pick, Ooh. and followed up with Patrick Mahomes and. I think I picked some. I think it was you. Th- that might have been groundbreaking. You <laughs> might be the first person in the history of fantasy football to take it. I hope y'all. I hope in y'all league the defense scores a lot of points. I hope so. I mean, I don't remember. I love the. I have the original settings, and then James called me boring. Rather original settings, so I don't know. Anyway, I just thought I'd uh, <laughs> give y'all a little flavor of our draft yesterday. As far as, um. The Saints again. It, it you know it. I made the comment a few times and in going into the the preseason, I was thinking, you know what, this might be a it might be kind of fun to watch the Saints preseason games because there's some new players out there and you kind of want to get them, see them a little bit. But the fact that Ian Book, other than one drive, has played both games. I mean, other than one drive, he's played, essentially played, been the only quarterback the Saints have played for two games. It just kind of ruins everything. It's just like, ugh, look at that guy. He's awful. Now, he wasn't awful on every play. I mean, he had a few good plays. He had a few almost. He, you know, would do something a little bit and then just, I don't just, just looks awful. I, overall, I, I just I just think he, he's awful. But um, one of the biggest concerns that a lot of people have is the Saints backup linebacker situation um in the first week game a couple backup linebackers like Hanson and Sewell did pretty well in the second game I mean I think Wilson did pretty well um and so I I think there's enough there again would would I have loved for Quan to resign and be part of the rotation like he was last year? Of course I would, but I I, I don't feel I'm not as worried about it as some. I think I, we've seen enough flashes. Hopefully, veterans like Wilson and then and then he's a veteran, although he's really still a young player. Bond will 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 step up, and we'll just see how. That plays out, but I I think we saw enough backup linebacker play to think that it's not going to be as weak as some people think. Uh, and Ellis is, you know, when he's healthy, it brings a little bit of a veteran approach to it as well. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. Good morning, sir. Hey, Mike, um, and uh, will you drop it? Uh, they're gonna 
back would have been uh, Aaron Rodgers. Cause, uh, but uh, Paul probably drafted him, didn't he? No, Paul Paul did not pick Aaron Rodgers. I want to say, if I remember correctly, our, our friend Bobby Nova did. Yeah. Nah, if I had been you, I'd have took all the all the Paul's food. I mean, him being a Yankee fan, you know. I mean, <laughs> delusional. He he probably would have thought he lost his food or something, you know. Well, but, uh, you know, the man stole my player, so he had to pay a price. I had to take. I had to steal his onion rings. You did you? You didn't draft that uh, that garbage uh, Ezekiel Elliott, did you? I did not. No. Uh, okay. Good. Uh, now, uh, a while back, I remember you asking a question. Uh, and it was answered this weekend. Uh, is the does the NFL still hate the New Orleans Saints? And it was answered this weekend. Yes, they do, and I think they always will. And you know why I say that? I'm listening. Because because your punter booted a 80 yard uh, punt, and what do they do right after the game? They drug test the man. <laughs> you know how how petty they is that? They drug tested my punter. <laughs> You know, yeah. So there's your answer. I mean, don't be surprised if they give a uh, Camara at the end of the year a full a full year of suspension. You know, but uh, you know, one team the league don't hate is uh the Dallas Cowboys. So I mean, you like I, the offer's always there. You know, I mean, we we're gonna get your favorite coach back uh this this season. He's gonna come home. I'm telling you. I'm gonna tell you that till I'm blue in the face. He's I, coming home to Dallas. So I, did, I know I, how much you well, love Tom Brady. Keep, 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 keep you know? dreaming. I I I, I did not. Go after Zeke. I was ho- I endeavor. I was hoping to get Dak as my backup quarterback, but but uh, someone beat me to the punch. So, but I w- right, I would have right. liked him as my backup, but it didn't happen. I don't think I have any Cowboys. No, I don't. I don't have. I don't have any Cowboys. But uh, 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 the league would never test our punter. I'm just saying, you know. I'm I'm just saying, you know, because yeah. But uh, that's all I had for today, man. All and, right. Uh, good luck in your fantasy. I'm pulling for you. Hopefully, Paul comes out last and. Uh, I can't wait till the postseason till the Yankees uh, fall flat on their feet. Uh, man. Have a good one. Take, go care. Take care. Man, the man's vicious with Paul. Just vi- I mean, I just stole the man onion rings. The man hopes he finishes last. All right. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. How tough is it when your MVP is your punter? <laughs> oh, man. Is he good? Oh, I mean – you got, you got your girl taking a defense with her first pick overall, and then I, the Saints' best player is lit. Not, that guy was off the chart crazy. That's what I was going to call and tell you the same thing. They end up drug testing the man immediately after, and they, they call it random testing. You think that's random? But our specialty, with Lutzback, dude, our special teams, we used to whine so bad about special teams, and then we draft Morstead, draft move up to get him, and we fussed when we moved up to get him. He ends up being a 10-year stalwart. Then we couldn't find a kicker. Well, now we got a kicker, and they've replaced Morstead. So special teams is the one area we definitely don't have to worry about. It's it's kind of nice being set in that part of the uh, you know, of, of the of the game, it's done. Our long snappers good, our punters good, our kickers good. Uh, our coverage teams have been it. good, and, and um, you know, again, I, I think if the Saint the Saints have a chance to have the best special teams unit in the whole league, and and even you know, even if they statistically don't finish number one, I'd be surprised if they're not like you know in the top five. So I, it's going to definitely be a strength of the team. Uh, hopefully the defense can force a few turnovers because we feel like they're going to play well 
on most plays. As long as the safeties are on the same page early, they don't give up any cheap touchdowns uh, and, and and have any breakdowns. I mean, again, it, it's, you know, again, I've been saying it since last March. This is the best roster the Saints have ever had. And um, even Bart Scott, I don't know if you saw the Bart Scott clip that came out over the weekend. He said the Saints are the most complete football team in the entire NFL. Well, I like flying under the radar, so I don't like hearing that. And just to soon have people underestimate. Very few year, people we, believe it. we bracket okay. six or seven wins, and then they say, oh, this team in New Orleans might be for real. Just got to be look, healthy. Just got to get healthy and got and got to get our safeties on the same page. Well, Tampa Bay lost two more offensive linemen this weekend. So, I mean, I would assume Tampa's our biggest competition. you got to win the division first, and – I would assume Tampa's our biggest competition there. That's the, probably the silliest statement you'll hear all day. But, I mean, as far as no dub. But they, they, they've now lost five offensive linemen in the preseason. Starting yeah, but they're not all out, their though. Best, they're not their all out. Their best one is day-to-day now. So it's like – and, look, Brady is – Brady's the statue back there. So when the interior of his line's getting messed up, that's – I don't wish harm on anybody, but that's a good thing for the Saints, my friend. When, you know, when and, and again, a lot right of there. people, a lot of people around here, Saints fans just hate the Cowboys, and I get it. But Tampa better beat the Cowboys because I don't know. Uh, I don't have it. Let me see if I can get it, pull it up real quick. Um, Tampa's, their three, four games right after they play the Cowboys are not easy. Um, well, I want, I as want usual, my phone doesn't game work. They but... play, and, and we'll deal with the Cowboys if we face them in the playoffs. But uh, um, I, I'm kind of liking the fact that Tampa's losing. That's the one thing they can't afford to lose with that quarterback is linemen. And uh, Brady's going to be coming back this week to what looks like a skeleton crew in front of him, and that cat does not like to be hit. I mean, I don't know who does, but. Oh, he just throws it up for grabs. If he's under pressure, he just throws it up for grabs. So that's a good thing. And look, last thing, special teams-wise, don't just look at the punter and the kicker and the snapper. We've got a Pro Bowl gunner and probably drafted another guy that's going to end up becoming a Pro Bowl special teamer. So, uh, yeah, I love having our – the third of the game and it's the most overlooked part of the game and you said it best we probably win two more games if Lutz is our kicker last year and all it takes is one and we're a playoff team so that that presence in camp and, and that 59 yarder again it's like all right we're set again it then this cat kicking 31 yard punt I do find it hysterical you get drug tested in the locker room <laughs> but every single punt it was like holy smokes what's this guy drinking so we'll see. I, I'm starting to get excited. And look, last week I turned in my Ian book card. This time I went back and found it, and I ripped it up and shredded it and threw it up like confetti. Because you're right, the game is just simply too fast for this cat. And it's sad because I think he's a great athlete, but it just shows you the difference between college and the pros. And the pros, everybody's fast. In college, you can get away with that athleticism. In the pros, you simply have to be able to throw the ball precisely and slow the game down, and I just don't think he's capable of doing that. So, anyway, it was fun. It's preseason still. I don't care about wins and losses. Another week where nobody got hurt, so I call that a victory, my friend. All right. Thanks for the call, Joey. God bless. Take care.
All right, let's do this. We will take a timeout, come back for more footnotes on a Monday as we review a weekend. We'll get to some college football thoughts as well on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and ebbness or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lavia, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Want to remind you, Delta Media is your home for high school football action. All fall, you'll be listening to St. Thomas More on the game, 1037 Lafayette, Acadiana High, the Wrecking Rams on MeTV, uh, 97.7 FM, the Karen Crow Golden Bears on Z1059, Southside Sharks on Mustang 1071, the Vermillion Parish game of the week on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week on News Talk 98.5 and the Bar Buccaneers on the game, 104-1 Lake Charles. All right, and and also to tell you, um, to remind you, starting tomorrow, each day the rest of the week, on the schedule anyway, we're going to have uh, most of those coaches that I just mentioned. Coach um, Fontenot scheduled for tomorrow for Southside on Wednesday, we are planning to have uh, Coach Shane Savoy, offensive coordinator for the St. Thomas More Cougars. On Thursday, the head coach of the Wrecking Rams, Matt McCullough. And on Friday, Coach Corville of the of the Karen Crow Golden Bears. So looking forward to talking to those coaches, see where they are. Uh, well, one of them will have just played his jamboree the night before on Friday, and the others will be coming off of – their scrimmages and and looking forward to playing their jamboree th- this weekend, um, and we'll we'll, we'll I'll, uh, later on in the show uh, I'll try to if you haven't seen we really we kind of I kind of gathered together all the jamborees I could find for the area and have that it's on the advocate.com but I'll I'll read a couple of those off at least the ones most local um, this weekend one of the things that I, that I'm starting to see is not a lot, but there are some teams that are now playing individual jamborees, not part of a, you know, an overall, like a like the Kiwanis Jamboree where you got a bunch of site teams going to the same site. Uh, Vermillion Parish and Acadia Parish are continuing 
their trend, which they've been doing for quite a while now, where they kind of play each other on at different sites, which is I kind of like that concept. And uh, and then there are others around the area as well. The game hotline is 706-0111, Someone commented during the break, kind of in thinking like, you know, I was complaining about having to watch Ian Book. No, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying I would prefer to. It's not that I want the Saints to play Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston in a preseason game. I don't. Now, I was having a discussion yesterday with one of the Saints fans of our draft, and they were like, he's got he's to gotta play Jameis a little bit of game action, doesn't he? I, I, if Jameis doesn't pl- get a snap in the preseason, I will not be upset. Now, if he does, I'm not going to be like, Upset because I get the thought that, man, you know, he hasn't really played that much for the Saints since he got here. He played a little bit. And so it just depends on how valuable do the coaches think just getting on the field, even if it's just for one drive, is for your starting quarterback. I mean, other starting quarterbacks have played, and starting quarterbacks have played – you know, for the longest time in the old four-game format, uh, a lot of teams would play their starting quarterbacks for the first half of the third game. Might not play at all in the first game, maybe just a hair in the second game, and play the first half of the third game. Well, here's a guy who hasn't played very much, The last, you know, missed, what, the last two months plus of last year, season didn't play at all the year before other than a a few plays at the very end um and you know has been out with an injury for the last couple weeks so if they decide to play him a quarter or so in this next game I'm you know it'll be scary but I get from a continuity standpoint why they might want to do it but I say all that I'm not saying I I, I I'm, uh, that's not being critical of the Saints or why they're playing this guy. I get why they're playing him, and it's probably the right move. I just don't like watching Ian Book because I never wanted him on the team to begin with. It's like, uh, you know, I was very upset, if you remember, when they drafted this guy. First of all, I am I am pretty much categorically against drafting quarterbacks. Like, when was the last time the Saints drafted a quarterback and we said, boy, that was a good idea. I mean, Garrett Grayson was just throwing. They just threw away a third-round pick with that. Seriously. Archie Manning? In 1971? Have the Saints drafted a quarterback since 1971 where you say, man, that was a good idea. I'm glad they made that pick. Just... Just not good. And so, no, I, I don't, I'm not criticizing. I just, it's just, it's just miserable to watch him play. It's futile. I guess it's possible uh, that they, you know, I think the real interesting aspect of the whole Ian Book thing is, are they going to put him on the practice squad? Because I think most people are convinced 
that the Saints are going to go what they did for years with two quarterbacks. We talked about that quite a bit last week. Uh, and that it seems a little bit scary just because Jameis looks more injury-prone. He just worries me that he might be a little injury-prone. I don't, I don't really have any doubts about his ability. I don't have any doubts about his leadership. I don't have any doubts about how he's going to fit in. My, my biggest doubts right now with Jameis is, is he going to be healthy? I mean, the knee injury was fluky, but it happened. And then now he's got a foot injury. So I'm just hoping he's not injury prone. Uh, and so that's a little bit scary as far as going with the two-quarterback thing. But if they do go with the two-quarterback thing like we're thinking, are they going to keep Book on the on the practice squad just in case or having Batman to get you out of a game would they just would he be the kind of that de facto get you out of a game quarterback and then you would go pick someone else? I mean, there's got to be guys out there that you could pick off the street that are better than Ian Book. I mean, you got to be, got to be. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello, Kevin. I may have uh, found an answer to our linebacker depth problem, and uh, there'll be someone in your office who might help us fill this position. I was I was out this morning. Uh, let me tell you, RP3 is sitting on one of the best linebackers in the nation right now. His dog came around the corner, scared me to death. He's mean. He's tough. He'll protect the house. Uh, we need we need to talk to RP3 and get his get his uh get, get his get dog his in black in, and gold. In black and gold, he could be gumbo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, look, again, it, it, it is an issue. Um, I don't think it's as big an issue as some Saints fans that I've heard who are more worried about the backup linebacker positions than I am. Uh, the Bostic acquisition looks like it could work. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Again, the Wilson didn't look as good in the first game as the second game, I didn't think from what I saw, but he's still a veteran who's played in the league, so I'm okay with him. I still haven't totally given up on Bond, so we'll see how, how you know, how that plays out. So I, I, I still think, I'm, you know, Chase Hansen did a, had some flash plays in that first game. I, I don't know that Chase Hansen's the, the answer. I would prefer a guy like Bossick who played in the league for years. He's a little on the older side, but still, Wilson and Bossick have played. So we'll just—it's just all on how they fit into what Dennis Allen likes to do on defense. I mean, it—you know—they know better than us on that for sure. Uh, by the way, my phone is still not working, but I had brought up the that when Joey called the Yucks schedule. And they better beat the Cowboys just because they play in New Orleans game two. Now, the thing that could bail them out here, the schedule might not be quite as tough as it sounds off the hoof because the great Aaron Rodgers struggles in the state of Florida. He, he I don't know if you remember that about him. His record and his statistics 
in the state of Florida in his career. He hasn't played that many games there. But they are awful, like awful. And but 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 off the cuff, throwing that aside, and maybe going to do psychedelics in Brazil will help him in um, you know a warmer, wetter climate. But the, the, these are the first four games for the Yucks at Dallas, at the Saints, the Packers at home, and the Chiefs at home. Pretty tough four games at Dallas, at the Saints, the Packers, and the Chiefs. Um, And so, I don't know. Is anybody especially considered the, how dysfunctional the, 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 their training camp has been? Will anybody be totally shocked if they're two and two in that on in those four? Um, hopefully they don't, you know, cheat for them like they have at times in the past. Hopefully the calls don't go their way. But but again, they better be Dallas because if they don't, you know, they're looking at three pretty imposing games after that. With that said. The Packer game's probably not as tough as it sounds because, you know, the Packers are going through their own transition right now offensively, and Aaron Rodgers' career in the state of Florida is just a nightmare, complete nightmare. So especially there, the man must have some sort of one of those stream of consciousness issues with um, with like big ships in a stadium or something. I, can, I don't know. Who, who, who knows with him? He probably doesn't even know why he's, you know, he's just weird. But anyway, <clears throat> just something to throw out there, keep in thought. You know, it's still a long way to get way because, again, we say it's football season. They're not playing tomorrow. They're not playing the next day. They're not playing the next day. I'm talking about regular season. I mean, it, it, it's a long time still before the NFL plays a, a game. I mean, a long time. So we still got a long way to go. But because um, they never play. But it is um, something to keep in mind. Put on a shelf. Think about it. And we can we can revisit that. All right. Let's take a time out. When we come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, we'll be talking a lot more high school football as the week goes on. In the, sec- in the top of the second hour, we'll get into some college football. I mean, a lot of people today are talking about the Emory situation. It just doesn't seem like that's ever going to get any better. And you just wonder... You know, again, we and we'll be talking with Koki again on Wednesday about LSU football, but it's like some things just never seem to change. Ah, you know, there's a lot of questions. Our friend Glenn Gilbo wrote a column recently, talked about how what they need to do is is just go with Walker Howard, and and he's the best. That you know, I asked Koki that question on Wednesday. What would you say? I asked Koki, what would you say if I made the statement that the best quarterback in LSU camp is Walker Howard? Um, I don't, I don't, you know, and, and he kind of dismissed it, and I understood his his response, but I don't know. I just, 
we'll see about Jaden Daniels. He he could prove us wrong. Those who were a little concerned about his ability to throw the football consistently, uh, we'll see. He he might prove us wrong. It's very possible that could happen. Um, we'll see, but uh, I don't know. So we'll see about that. We you know we'll talk more about that with that. But the running back scenario, you know, so many questions on on the. LSU football team and the running backs is another one like it's not that there aren't any options but they're all unproven you know they don't have that there's some question marks for the Cajuns in terms of depth but at least Chris Smith is a seasoned running back and as long as he stays healthy you kind of know what you have in him and plus he's you know might be the leader of the whole football team so certainly one of the big leaders of the football team. And so, you know, I don't know that LSU has that kind of an answer. So, you know, that's one of many questions that they're going to have to figure out, uh, especially early on in the season in in the next couple weeks as they prepare for the opener. So, um, again, we'll be talking more uh, high school football and some college football and got a chance, and it, it was appreciated, to see this, the Cajun second scrimmage on Saturday, and we will uh, give some impressions of that um, in the in, in the next segment, first segment of of the ten o'clock hour. Uh, it's very possible today that we will learn who the coaches plan on starting a quarterback, and we'll see how. We don't know that that's going to happen today, but it might be, might happen today. And we'll have my thoughts on that in the second hour. That'll do it for the first hour. We'll be back on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, as always, on a Monday, open phone lines for two hours to review the weekend. I wouldn't say it was a huge sports weekend, but... We did have a baseball series between the Braves and the Astros. A lot of Braves fans in the area, a lot of Astro fans. Um, and so it was pretty high on the um, local baseball fan interest list. It, You know, the first game, the Braves just crushed the Astros. The second game uh, was very close the whole way. The third game was very close the whole way. And um, the Braves won the first game. The Astros should have won, but Icky couldn't get a run home. And the bullpen didn't get it. Obviously, if the bullpen pitch is great, it doesn't matter if Icky gets a run home. But, again, the bullpen is going had a rough week. Blew two games. Had a two-run lead late uh, on Monday and Tuesday in Chicago. And blew both of them. It's kind of like almost everyone in the bullpen is going into a slump after having the best bullpen statistically in the major leagues all year long. It's like it all went into a slump. They all went into a slump at the same time. Now, that could be 
the quote-unquote dog days of August. It could just be a natural slump that you go into. Uh, you know, nobody's like, especially in a, as a bullpen, very few to no one is like great from beginning to end and never has a, a little rough stretch. It's just kind of weird. Like they all have had this rough stretch all in the same week or two-week period. And so you kind of wonder what's going on there if you're an Astro fan or if you're an Astro hater and hoping that the bullpen could falter from here on out. Um, we'll we'll kind of see. I, I know a lot of people have lost some patience and confidence in Montero. I haven't done that yet. He has, he has not pitched well. He has turned into ball one, ball two, like he's walking too many people. But – the thing about him is, if you go and look at his pitches, with a few exceptions, most of his pitches that are balls are just, it's not like he's really wild. You know, he's not missing by much a lot. Now, a couple of times he is. I mean, but a lot of his balls are just eh, just barely inside or just barely lower just barely outside and he's still for the most part keeping the ball down he's just not quite sharp you know most of the first half of the season he was he lived on the corners it was i couldn't believe what i was watching with him he was just living on the corners and at the bottom of the zone and he's just off uh, you know in his last i don't know I'd have to look at it, three, four, five starts. He's just not been as sharp. Now, again, that could be something that pitchers just go through during the course of a season. It is just kind of peculiar that for the Astros, Neris has been giving up way more runs than he had been. Um, Presley had, you know, went through a stretch where he didn't give up a base runner not that long ago, and now you know they're, give, they're scoring runs off of him. And, uh, you know, we'll just, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, it is a, it, it's a long season. So we'll wait and see. So, again, if you have any comments on that or, you know, Yankees, you know, the Cardinals are, 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 are kind of hot. And so, you know, and the punks just continue to look just tremendous. I mean, they just... Um, Will Smith's on my fantasy team, and he, he's done very well. And they they, they, they are very good. I mean, uh, you know, I just hope that they set every record that they could possibly set between now and the postseason, and they get the Piper really mad because on paper, again, one you know, it's no nothing new. I mean, the Punks have looked like they were going to be tough to beat going into every postseason for a while now. This is not a new concept here. But uh, hopefully the Piper can get them. So we'll see how that plays out. Again, uh, if you have any thoughts on the Saints preseason game, certainly feel free to call on that as well. The game hotline is 706-0111. But as I said, I got a chance to, me and several you know other media members, got our first chance to watch. They opened up Saturday's scrimmage. I, they didn't really give us... I didn't know or most of the week that that was going to happen, but it was appreciated. And it it is hard, which is which is a reason why I don't buy the whole CIA approach. But that's all. I'm not going to go down that road. 
it's it, it, it's not like oh man I I know everything that they're going to do now by watching this this scrimmage. It, it, it's not like that. W- what you get to see is impressions of this player, and some of them are quarterbacks, some of them aren't. Uh, a lot of guys didn't play. I guess the one thing that you can see when you're watching a scrimmage that it's easy for them to hide is injuries, who's not playing. Like, it never alarms me that, that like, a Zion Hill is not playing because he just, you know, they're they're protecting him. He's been around for a while. Peter LeBlanc did not play, and they talked about they think Coach Dez says he's going to be ready. Gant got hurt. He was the only kind of serious kind of injury. Um, I thought the two kind of highlight plays that I saw were were an interception by Eric Guerra, and again he has <clears throat> been good for a long time. So that's not a surprise that Eric Guerra is good. And Chandler Fields had kind of a down. You know they run these situations, and it was kind of at the end. I think it was fourth down play, but he was like, you know, rolling to the right. Maybe it was third down. I don't know. But he was rolling to the right and looked like it was like he was just going to have to throw it away because everybody looked covered. But he but he, he hit Caleb, Corner, Caleb Carter, who was covered. But he still got it in there, showed a good arm, showed some field awareness, and, and got the touchdown. Big celebration by the offense. So those were two plays that, that, that really kind of stuck out. The um, – Again, just listening, listen to everything Coach Dez said about the quarterback situation at Sunbelt Conference Media Day. Listen to everything Coach Dez and Coach Leger said about the quarterback situation at UL Media Day. And all the questions that have been asked him, Coach Dez, about it in all of the little press conferences that we have on Monday and Wednesday during August camp, which is now officially over. Um, and he did not tell us who he was leaning towards or anything like that. But he, what he would say is, well, it's going to go down to this and this and this. And I, and I would listen to what this, this, and this was. And, and just judging by my perception of what these quarterbacks are, what he's saying, what other people are saying that were there, and then a little bit that I saw in Saturday's scrimmage, really before that, it sounded like it was going to be Ben Woolridge. But, and maybe this means nothing, but Chandler Fields was the first one out Saturday, and his arm looked strong. The thing that Chandler Fields, I think, gives this offense is he threw some, he threw quite a few deep sideline passes. Uh, You know, I, I, it's just not. I, I don't know that anybody else can do that like he can. Now, how important is that to the offense? We'll see. We talked about it going back to Sunbelt Conference Media Day, where Coach Dest said last year the number one emphasis was it got to get better on the deep ball, got to get better on the deep ball, and they did, and it helped them win some games, including the bowl game. You know, if they don't hit that deep pass, and I want to say it was on third down, over the middle to Michael Jefferson, I don't know that they win the bowl game. That was a huge play in that game. Um, 
And so they had some success with the deep ball last year where they really didn't have much success the two previous years, or especially the previous year on it. So that became a priority, and they they checked the box, and it helped them have a successful year. Well, this year, they want the intermediate passing game. He didn't really say things like the deep sideline pass, although, man, it's nice to complete those. And 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 Chandler showed the ability, the definite ability to be able to do that. So what I'm saying is <clears throat> Ben didn't do anything that made me, oh, man, that didn't look good. I mean, really, I didn't see any of that. He looked like – one thing is he, he looks taller, like – He's going to be able to see over the line better than Chandler, for one. And that's not something I ever think a whole lot about when I'm up in the press box. But um, <clears throat> we were commenting on that on Saturday. It's like when you're on the field like you are, they were in the indoor because of the chance of rain, and it poured after the scrimmage. Um, you, you don't Unless you're on the field like that, you don't really get that full sense of what it's like to have these big linemen in front of you because you're looking at it kind of from the same as Chandler is. And, um, <clears throat> you know, one of the comments I made, man, it's unbelievable. Um, it's unbelievable how Drew Brees did at his height what he did his entire career. Really, it is. I mean, when you're watching, it it just kind of gave me a whole new perspective on that. Um, well, so we'll see. But I say all that to say I thought, after listening to everything I listened to, I was kind of thinking, reading between the lines, that it was Ben going to be the starter. But when I saw Chandler... And his, what about, I guess we saw him in three series, because they played all, they played, you know, Lejeune played, and Zy McDonald played. He's shorter than I thought he was. I mean, he just looked so short out there. And um, and obviously Ben played, and Zeon Chris played. So they all got multiple series in the scrimmage. Um, when I saw, and I didn't really charted so but I think Chandler got three series I could be wrong by off by one there but he he just he looked crisp he looked like he knew what he, he looked like he knew what he was doing I mean he just and it's not that Ben didn't but Ben his passes just didn't seem as crisp so <clears throat> I don't know I um I don't know if he announces today who is going to be I was saying Ben all along, but after watching Saturday, uh, I don't know. I could be wrong. And one of the things that Coach Dez said in Saturday's post-scrimmage press conference is that he had already decided going into it. In other words, the second, the results of the second scrimmage really have anything to do with it. He had already decided. He essentially said as camp is going on, maybe a little bit sounded like uh, maybe a little bit past halfway in camp, he reached a decision on who it needs to be in his mind. So we'll see. Might find that out this afternoon or, or shortly thereafter. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think as an ex-quarterback, he he understands the value of you got to establish as soon as you can who your leader is. And the quarterback, 
you know, whether Chris Smith is the big overall leader of the team or whoever, uh, the quarterback is a leadership position. There's just no getting around that. And so probably knowing who that is as early as possible. And, again, the team knowing it is, you know, way more important than us knowing it, the media and or the public. I get that. But, um, you know, we may, we may find out soon. So I'm not as – I was going into it. I was like, I think it's Ben. I think it's Ben. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. We will see. All right. Any impressions of anybody else that might have saw or if you had questions about certain players with the Cajuns? Um, Neil Johnson looked pretty good to me. Um, you know, the, the Cajuns forced about five turnovers, so the defense was all over the field, forcing a lot of turnovers. The offensive line seemed to hold its own pretty well. Now, again, Andre Jones didn't play. You know, Zion, Zion, uh, Zion Hill didn't play. And so, you know, there were guys sitting out. But still, it's a pretty stout defense. And and, and I thought the, the offensive line held up pretty well. And that's another big question mark for the Cajuns going in. But it's a scrimmage. And it's, it's not even a full game-like type scrimmage. It's more of a, you know, situational kind of scrimmage. So... <clears throat> We will see if he decides and how it all plays out. Now, we don't have quite as long to wait to see the Cajuns and Tigers play as we do the Saints, but still a little waiting to do. Still got a couple weeks left before the actual games took place. But we will see live Jamboree football this weekend. So we'll take a timeout and we'll come back and maybe – give you a little bit of a direction of where you might want to go if you're not following one team, but you're anxious to see some live football. It doesn't count. It's a jamboree, but it's still live high school football. We'll talk about that when we come back after this timeout on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper a quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game hotline 706-0111. 706-0111. Let's go to the hotline. Hello. How you doing, Kevin? Howdy, howdy. Well, I'm in a good mood today. But uh, with the way my Cardinals have been playing. But I was going to tell you, you said about Ian Book, and I've kind of been a guy that's wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and, you know, kind of had holding out hope for him. But I'm even having trouble trying to defend him at this point. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. He just looks overwhelmed to me. But, but, <clears throat> but, uh, Getting back to my Cardinals, that's uh, man, we playing some good ball right now, Kevin. I don't think somebody want to play us right now in the playoffs. 
<laughs> I mean, because we got Goldschmidt hitting, Arenado's hitting. You know, our pools is all of a sudden he's hot as anything. So, so again, still forty something games to go. So things can change. But oh yeah, if things yeah, go, if things go like you're expecting, how would the playoff bracket look? Well, it depends. <laughs> if we win the division, then we would play the uh, the lowest seed wild card. But which point, which would probably would be. be the Phillies. You know, again, obviously things could change. But I, if, at, let's say it's the Phillies. Would you prefer or, or the pot? Would you prefer it be the Phillies or the Padres? Hmm. I I don't know. That's 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 really not easy. I I'd probably say the Phillies because I'm thinking. Their pitching maybe is good, but actually with their top two, they might have better top two than the Padres with Wheeler and uh, Nola. <laughs> now, their bullpen has been a big question. Uh, they closer just got put on the IL, and Robertson, who, right. who they got from the Cubs, in his first – he had pitched – really had a pretty nice season, and then his first chance to – against the Mets to get the uh, a sit. It wouldn't have been his first save, but as like the closer for now anyway, he blew against a, a good Mets team. But uh, we'll see. How, and, and Hader, you know, he's just not the same. Like, I, I, you know. Yeah, they, they said they uh, demoted. They took him right now. He's not even the closer. They said temporarily they're not using him now as the closer. So they have that. So that's a serious. Now I like their starting pitching. I think potentially the Padres have some really good starting pitching, but their bullpen's a question too. So uh, you know, I don't know. I it, it, as far as how the matchups would go, obviously beating the Mets if their pitchers stay healthy in a series will be quite a chore. Beating the Braves with their lineup and they, and they have some good pitching as well. Uh, is a chore, and then the punks are a chore. You know, on the the um, the National League right now looks way better than the American League, but you just never know how that stuff's going to. The the the, tra- the thing that's starting to look good for us is the, the getting uh, Quintana and then uh, Montgomery in that trade with the Yankees. And you know, it's so ironic because. The Cardinals got nothing but go. Oh, they didn't do enough, but they added two starting pitchers, and it's and it's worked. Yeah. No, I'm considering what was available, other than uh, getting uh, what's his guy name from the Reds, Castillo. Uh, they really, uh, to me, they got about as much as there wasn't like there was all these great pitches available. I thought they did pretty good with that. I mean. Now, so, what has Jordan Montgomery done? I mean, he's pitched better than most Cardinal fans were expecting him to. So, what do you see in him? Well, he's just uh, – I've only watched him pitch a couple times. <laughs> he's just like a, kind of like those typical lefties, and he's got good command, you know, good control, and he's seems to get a lot – I mean, one thing the Cardinals, they play defense, Kevin. We, we very rarely beat ourselves with sloppy defense. And, I mean, Arenado always said Scott Rowland could have, like, be a borderline Hall of Famer and was maybe 
one of the two or three best defensive third basemen I'd ever seen. And this Arenado, I think he might be better than Scott Rowland as a defensive player. Oh, he's good. No one ever questioned that. Some people realize how good that guy is. And um, you got to give a shout-out to Pujols. You know what he passed? I don't know if I told you this, but this is this is pretty – you got to admit, this is something baseball people don't really talk about much, <laughs> but it's pretty impressive. He passed Musial for second all-time, all-time in the history of baseball – for career total basing. That's something, you know, we never talk about total bases that much, but that's really an important thing. Well, you know you ain't getting that out of me, so you can, you know. Well, I'm just saying, don't you think total bases is something that we we don't really talk about much? I mean, yeah, I mean, mean, it's, it's not... It's basically what OPS, a huge chunk of what OPS is, because well, total bases are slugging. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially slugging percentage, yeah. Right. Isn't slugging percentage your total bases divided by your back? Right, right, right. So, yeah, right. they do talk about that. It's just not, you, you know, people don't, you talk about slugging or OPS, and obviously slugging is a huge part of what your OPS is. So, yeah, they... You know, they t- baseball people talk about that a lot, but no, I mean, I mean, again, he, I, I just can't stand him because he's tortured me most of my uh, no, career. No, I know, yeah, I know. Most you of his career. You would say you wouldn't mind him as your next door neighbor because he has really uh, to be a good and, person. And and he's an underrated hot dog. I mean, he's got way, way more hot dog in him than he gets criticized for. But when you but, think like like three hundred total bases in a season, isn't that considered like an elite season for total bases? I think around 300. Okay. He's he's now like at uh, 6,200. So if he did that, then you'd have to do that over 20 years or like 2,200 RBIs. You'd have to have 100 RBIs for 22 straight years to get to 2,200. It just, I don't know. I mean, no question he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I ain't going to be watching his speech. I can tell you that. But well, anyway. that's when I might need to try to go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Spencer and I get the guru to, to, to show for me over there. I'll be, I'll be 66, 67 by then. Hopefully my health will be good. But And then I want to go to the Football Hall of Fame when Breeze gets inducted. Well, I'll be get, get start saving now. All right, I appreciate the call. All right. Take care. Uh, um, No, again, we don't talk. I think there's a fair amount of Cardinal fans, not as many Cardinal fans as Braves fans, Astro fans, or Yankees fans around here, but we haven't talked very much about the Cardinals this season. For a lot of the year, they were just kind of hanging around, but they have been playing better of late. And so, again, most of the talk is in the National League has been about the Mets and the Braves. And the Punks, obviously, and then the Padres after they traded for Soto. Um, but, again, with their hater situation, but the Cardinals definitely are playing at a level now that you got to start including them in those conversations as well. So, And in the American League, it's like, I don't know. You know, we'll see what the Rays do, but I don't know. All right. Um, before we get to the next timeout, I did want to – I said I wanted to mention – uh, for those of you who haven't heard it yet, 
some of the jamboree schedules. And, and if there's a specific team that you would like to know, I don't know that I, I think I have everyone here, but it's possible I'm missing a few teams. Um, certainly feel free to call. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111. Or if you don't want to go on the air, you could just call and and ask, tell Hannah what school that you want, and I'll, I'll let you know if I know. Um, but the Lafayette Kiwanis Jamboree, Cajun Field, Thursday and Friday, 6 o'clock on Thursday, Turlings versus Como. You know, I'm saying 7.30. It's whenever the first game finishes. Um, Karen Crow versus St. Martinville. That is a really juicy matchup because obviously Karen Crow is almost always really good. Uh, and St. Martinville's offense potentially is really good, and Karen Crow normally plays pretty good defense. So that might be – it's going to be hard to get a much better matchup than Karen Crow versus St. Martinville. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Thursday schedules finishes up with Southside. And, again, we'll be talking with Coach Josh Fontenot. That's the plan anyway tomorrow about 10-15 against Brobridge. And Brobridge has a new head coach and – a uh, whole new coaching staff, and um, we'll see how things go for the Tigers as they begin a new regime. On Friday at 6 o'clock, Lafayette High versus Notre Dame. Lafayette High's had some moments. They still got a very athletic quarterback, and so we'll see how that plays out. Cecilia against St. Thomas More, another excellent matchup. Boy, the, the, the middle games on both of these not, nights are, man, just Mighty good matchup. Cecilia, there's every reason to believe they're going to be very good. St. Thomas More is always very good. And so that should be a fabulous matchup. And, again, we plan on talking to St. Thomas More offensive coordinator Shane Savoy in the, um, on Wednesday. And then uh, the, Acadia, the uh, Kiwanis Jamboree finishes up with Northside versus Acadiana in the third game on Friday. And I'm hoping to talk to Coach. Matt McCullough on Thursday. That's the plan anyway. The Acadia Vermillion Paris Jamboree on Thursday at Rain. North Vermillion versus Eunice. Rain versus Erath on Friday. And Kaplan, Crowley versus Abbeville. And Kaplan versus Church Point. Uh, the, a little bit of difference in the Sugarcane Jamboree in New Iberia this year. It's actually going to be a Delcom. Delcom playing Highland at 6, followed by Lorville versus Generette. And I mentioned... In the last hour, or uh, that there, there's a little bit more of a movement to individual games. And part of the re- you know, I always thought it was a little bit peculiar that New Iberia would play Westgate in the Jamboree because they play each other in the during the season. And I believe that's in the opener now. So they decided they're going to play individual games. New Iberia is going to be hosting Franklin, and Westgate is going to Lake Charles College Prep. Uh, so they're going to be playing individual games, not part of a bigger jamboree. And speaking of also doing that is Lafayette Christian. Um, the Knights will be playing at Zachary. Wow, that'll be quite a challenge and quite a good experience for them. Westgate has a jamboree, by the way. Westgate Lafayette will play Thrive uh, uh, at Westminster and Opelousas. Episcopal will play Vermillion Catholic. And Westminster Christian of Opelousas will play against Ascension Episcopal in the third game on that Friday at Westminster. So that is most of what we know from the Jamboree schedule. Wanted to let people know about that since it is Jamboree week. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back with more 
on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now, a season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents. Also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers. And the Houston Astros want to remind you about the Black Pot Cook-Off. The Orneville Fire Department, Volunteer Fire Department, I should say, is hosting the Black Pot Cook-Off on Saturday, September the 10th. Cooking begins at 9 a- at 8 a.m. Eating starts at noon at the Flower Auditorium in Orneville. There will also be plenty of live music, in, including Gerald Grunig and Gentilly Zydeco, Dustin Saunier, and Sweet Cecilia. For more information, visit ornevillefire.org. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We talked some Major League Baseball, a little bit about Cajuns and what we saw from the second scrimmage. Uh, got a little bit of Cajun news. The, the game to this Cajuns open at home with Southeastern. Uh, their second game is a home game against Eastern Michigan, which has now been announced as one of two Sunbelt Conference games to be aired on the NFL Network. So the Cajuns' week two second home game of the season against Eastern Michigan will be on NFL Network. So I don't quite know what goes into which game they pick or how that goes, but it's still, you know, an, another opportunity for people outside the area to see the Cajuns play, and we'll see how things go. I don't know. I remember looking a little bit at Eastern Michigan at the beginning of the summer. I uh, don't know a great deal about them. Um, we'll have to kind of, you know, when we get a little closer, we'll hear the coaches' game plan, and we'll kind of study them a little bit more. But sounds like if I remember I think the takeaway from our first glance at them is again it's just on paper we don't know but on paper I remember my takeaway was it sounds like the kind of team that the defense could really pressure the quarterback with. like it just sounded like one of those games where uh, my my the, my memory or my takeaway was they might get a lot of sacks and get a lot of pressure on the quarterback in that game which is always a good thing to be able to do, but we'll see how um, uh, that plays out. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111, The um, There were, you know, I, I, I thought the Cajun wide receivers that played looked good. I mean, Chris didn't play a whole lot as far as running back, but he played some. Uh, it, it's for a lot of us, it's the first time that we've seen Zylan Perry. Uh, he's a guy I often say, just kind of put on a shelf and tuck it away in the back of your memory. 
uh, I think for someone who's probably not even going to be playing, Zylan Perry's probably been discussed more than anybody on the team who's probably not going to play much, if at all, for the beginning of the season. Um, hopefully, if Zylan Perry plays a lot this year, it'll likely be because someone is hurt, so you don't want that. But I also think, and, and it was something that I asked, I think in last Wednesday's presser with Coach Dez, and he kind of confirmed, is that he is a prime candidate Back in whatever, what was that, 2018, when Chris Smith was in the, you know, coming into his first year of college ball, and they played him the last four games of the year just to see what it was like. And it was mostly on special teams. But Zylan Perry is a guy that I think is probably a prime candidate for that. And I think that's what they're hoping that he would play those four games, preserve his, his red shirt season. Um, but if there were a lot of issues, if the depth chart at running back was really challenged, especially early in this season, wouldn't I think he would be one of the potential solutions. And he's wearing Chris Smith's old number. I, I, I Look, I'm kind of a number guy, and so it is a um, – it's going to be a challenge. Like, you know, a bunch of the players changed their number from last year, including Chris Smith, who was 21, and now he's 13. Uh, you know, Chandler Fields changed his number, and Neil Johnson changed his number. And, I mean, a lot of the guys that are, you know, changed their numbers. And so there's some adjustment to be made there. And every time when I saw Zylan go out there, my mind initially, you know, Chris Smith, but it wasn't. And, and even Coach Dez made the comment that, he kind of looks like Chris Smith a little bit. A lot of similarities between or being made by the coaches even between Chris Smith, I mean, between Zylan Perry, who played college, I mean, high school quarterback at Franklin High, and the coaches. I remember we had Coach Martin on last season on the show, and he was raving about this kid and um, how good he was. And – He's having to make the adjustment to running back. So he's someone to kind of keep an eye on, but got, got a chance to see him. Uh, he didn't get a lot of carries, but I got a chance to see Draylon Washington, and he's, you know, really big. And so we saw all the running backs. And, you know, again, not enough of a sample size to draw any kind of major conclusions on any of them. The other most interesting thing that came out, arguably you could say the most interesting thing in terms of playing out toward the season is the kicking situation. We've been, you know, the Cajuns, for those of you who haven't been around Cajun football for a long time, going back to the 70s, the, the, for, for a while there, 70s and 80s and even into the 90s, the Cajuns, if they were known by anything, it was, it was kicker you. I mean, it was place kicker you, you know, Septian to Rivetto and Patrick Broussard and Mike Lemoyne and they, they they it just went on and on had really good kickers for a long time for decades really good kickers and some of them made it to the NFL and some of them you know Richie Cunningham just and all the way up to Brett Bear but since Brett Bear left what is that about ten years ago now there've only been one year. 
Um, and that was Kyle File when he came in. He was a transfer from uh, Oklahoma. There's only been one year where a Cajun kicker missed fewer than five field goals. Brett Baer missed five field goals total over two years, two one year and three the other year. He was really good. Uh, and obviously made arguably the biggest field goal kick in, in Cajun history. But um, field goal kicking's not been a strength at all. In fact, it's been a weakness. And, and they they haven't attempted a lot because there wasn't a lot of confidence. Um, it's you know it wasn't just the last two years. It, it's been an iffy proposition for a while since Brett Bear left. And so um, it's important. It's going to be important for this offense with a new quarterback. And, you know, they kind of seem to be playing pretty well, but still an iffy offensive line or not. I don't know if it's going to be iffy, but at least question marks there. Uh, Running back depth, I've got some questions about. And so we'll see. Uh, It's going to be nice to be able to kick and have confidence. After Saturday's scrimmage, Coach Dez said it is they're not ready to name who the starting kicker is going to be, even though he clearly said going into camp that Kenny Almaderas was the man to beat. Stafford, who is a um, transfer from LSU, kicked at Catholic High of, of Baton Rouge, and Stotts, who, uh, Stoltz, I should say, who is a, um, a, you know, a, a signee or, you know, a walk-on signee from, a walk-on, I should say, came from high school to the Cajun program, is a, uh, you know, that he said they're all about even. Stafford looked the best Saturday. Almaderas missed, uh, did not have his best day. And so I don't know what that means. And again, I, I think most Cajun fans aren't one way or the other. They're like, just give me a kicker that can consistently make kicks. And Kenny Almaderas had done that, and according to Coach Dez, it was really like his first really bad day in camp, but it was with some new eyeballs watching, so it kind of raised some eyebrows. And so, again, they've got – he said he's comfortable going down to the end on who the kicker was going to be. Uh, there was some talk that the kickoff guy might be somebody different. So, uh, I don't – I mean, kickoff, kickoff guy is important. Don't get me wrong. But the place kicking guy is very important. One, you got to be able to, it can affect your play calling. And it definitely, over the last two seasons, affected Coach Napier's play calling because you just never knew. There was just no confidence that the kick could be made. Now, obviously, there was the the memorable, you know, fit, what, 50 yard field goal, whatever it was, that was made on the last play of the game to beat Georgia Southern a couple years ago, and that was a great, great, great memory, but still there was no consistency there. And so that's going to be something else to keep in mind if you're a Cajun fan. How is the kicking situation going to play out? And I've been talking a lot about the similarities between the Cajun, um, the Cajuns and the Saints, and that's one area that I don't think the Saints are going to have to worry. At least we hope. Not going to have to worry as much as maybe the Cajuns have to worry. Cajun fans are going to have to worry uh, how the kicking situation will play out. But uh, something else, that was another one of the more interesting aspects that came out of the press conference following Saturday's second scrimmage at the Monkley Indoor Facility. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back, finish out today's show. 
next on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Again, Astros off today. Scheduled to open up a three-game series against the Minnesota Twins at Minute Maid Park with Justin Verlander pitching tomorrow. The Game Clubhouse, want to remind you of that? Go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Could help you with your date night blues or whatever else you would like. You just need a little pick-me-up. After a rough day at work, you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse or a $50 gift certificate to Acadiana Bar and Greer, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen as examples, as well as, you know, eligible to win Astro Getaways and thing and other contests such as that. You have to join the clubhouse. So it's free. It's simple. Do so today by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Again, we will... If you did not hear earlier, we'll be talking a lot more high school football as the week goes on. I missed a guru on Thursday, and so uh, I know that Nick and the guru had a good time. Kind of kicked off fantasy football coverage on the show for the year, but uh, looking forward to the guru and I kind of having our first fantasy football show, and it will be coming off of the um, our, our fan- fantasy draft and – if you did not hear in the first hour, I completely shocked everyone in in our draft room when my, the third quarterback I picked, and I don't know what round it was, 18, 19, 17, I don't know, real late in the draft, um, was uh, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it's going to be weird playing him. The plan would be he'd only play one week, but uh, on a when someone else is on a bye week, but... Uh, that's why we we draft in our league three quarterbacks. So, um, yes, the man who has and, and I, I've had it, it's kind of a strange dynamic with the whole fantasy thing. Some people don't pick players from their hated teams. I I I, I have. And for someone like me who tends to hold grudges when it comes to athletes and, and team loyalty, I don't know. That's something I've I've never struggled with. I, I I always have completely separated fantasy from my sports loyalties. Now, I never drafted sixteen. You know, sixteen and eighty are the exceptions to everything. I I, I never had eighty. I never had 16 because I don't even like saying their names. I consider that cursing. Um, but I I did draft one year Steve Young, and I couldn't stand Steve Young. But I, I, I don't know. I did have John Taylor one year. Um, and, and so I, I don't know. I've just all – I've drafted Falcons and Arnolds, and I just have always separated all that. And, I, and I've told you all my theory on that. I don't – I don't like having um, Saints on my team. Just don't really like having them. Anyway, that'll do it for today's show. Y'all have a nice day.